it's a mess in here. <laughs> it's okay. All right. No, I appreciate you being on here with me. Of course, I'm, you know, I mean, I think that that's like one of the joys of, of having epilepsy in general and like <laughs> knowing that there, even though I'm so scatterbrained, like there's a reason for my scatterbrainedness, right? Like, and so other people, like my people, like you are one of my people, understand like, hey, it's okay that she's like 45 minutes, <laughs> 45 minutes late or like technical problems and all this kind of stuff. Like mm -hmm. done is better than perfect. That is my mantra. Just release it. Just do, you know, do the damn thing. Don't worry about it. But here we are. I appreciate you being on here. So everybody that's listening, this is Megan Aiken. She's recently <laughs> married. Uh, and we are going to chat a little bit about her story and with epilepsy and seizures. And yeah. yeah. So thank you so much for being here. How are you this evening? Good. Thank you. Thank for thank you for having me on. Yeah. So of course. So the re so my intentions with this podcast, and I, I talked to you a little bit about it, is I want to share stories of the quote unquote average person um, that you know epilepsy is this invisible disability that not when you just look at us, we are beautiful humans that you would never know that there was something happening with our brain so I, I want to normalize it and one in 26 that's the amount of people that have it so let's just really talk about our stories and where it started from um, to again to normalize it because it happens more often than we think so how old were you let's just get right to it how <laughs> old were you when you had your first seizure I was 25 years old. It was April 2009. And what type of seizures do you have? So I was diagnosed with partial complexed, but I have experienced them all from absent to grand mal. And, you know, the absent seizures, people have no idea that you have them. And um, I will carry on my work day and, you know, have them during a conversation. And in the end, still apparently keep care, like having that conversation and that like a coworker will have no idea that I had a seizure until he'll say, hey, remember when I mentioned this? And I'll be like, no. Right. <laughs> So, okay. So let's go back a little bit. So you were diagnosed with partial seizures and yes. so people really didn't know what was going on. So yep. how did that diagnosis happen? Like, did you know something was happening that, yep. so how did, how did that diagnosis so, happen? So I'll tell you the story. So, um, I live in Houston, Texas. Um, I was flying, so I'm, I'm from Boston, I'm back home, so go Patriots, it is football season. Um, oh, <laughs> I, think, I think last week we talked, we were talking about basketball. So. What is it? Yeah, I think we were. <laughs> um, so uh, I was, it was Easter, I was flying home on Good Friday, and I collapsed in Hobby Airport. 
and as I was checking my luggage and I'm like, God, I'm like one of those people who like have to check luggage. And for some reason I, I've like, I always take like six bags for a weekend. <laughs> like I, I, I kick and I'm not a high maintenance person. I just, that that's just me. I don't know. I guess it's because like I'm acclimated to like Houston weather where like I get excited when I go back home and I get to wear sweaters or like high boots. That's just the reason. So I take all of them. <laughs> but um, so I collapsed. Um, like I like went down to the floor. I well, I'll get into that story. Uh, but uh, and so the the um, I guess so it was so I was flying southwest. And Southwest called my parents, and all that they said was, Megan's not going to make her flight. And my father was about to leave the house to go out for a run. And the phone, like, had rang twice. And so he had contemplated answering the phone. And so, like, by the third ring, he went back inside and... um picked up the phone it was southwest and was like your daughter's not gonna make her flight his first thought okay this is just to give you guys like hit like a like how i was in my 20s was like oh my god so southwest goes um megan's gonna miss her flight my father's first reaction was that dumbass got dr so drunk last night. She's hung over. She slept in. Like that was his first reaction. So we joke about it like to this day like that. And so, so at that point they didn't know it was the um, person behind the desk who was connect, who was literally checking my bag that actually told the paramedics that it looked like she had a seizure. I was not conv convulsing. I just lost like muscle control. I just okay. fell and I, and I cracked my head open. So they took me to Southeastern Memorial, which was the closest to Hobby Airport. Um, and at that point, you know, I was in ICU. There were times where um, like the air conditioning wasn't working. I got a staph infection there. I was sedated the entire time. I could, they like, um, basically I, I was seizing the entire time. Like they had no idea what was wrong or like what caused it. And what is the time frame? How many days were you in there? So I'm, so I'm iffy on the time frame because I switched hospitals. So I'm iffy on the time frame from like um, Southeast Memorial to when I went to Methodist, which is where I am now. Um, but the the head of neurology at Southeast Memorial told my father that they didn't know what to do. Like they didn't know how to stop like making me seize because they found out that I was allergic to Dilantin and valproic acid. And I guess, I mean, those are the first two that, you know, you try, right? Because they've been around for so long. And um, so it was my supervisor today that, you know, because my, my parents aren't from here, that went to my dad 
and was like, have you heard of the Houston Medical Center? Please take her there. And so it, 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 like, we were lucky in the fact that the head of neurology um, at, um, you know, Herman Memorial, like the Southeast Herman Memorial, um, knew the head of neurology at Methodist, and that is my current neurologist. So they took me by ambulance. And um, uh, so they kept me awake. They kept asking you the normal questions. Do you, what is your name? What is your job? You know, the normal questions. And um, like the entire the ride there, my father rode with me in the ambulance and I got there. So the entire time frame that I was in the hospital for was about a month. So that is like the first time that I've heard of that, of someone being in the hospital for that long that wasn't doing a long-term EEG or anything like that. So you were there for a month with a month. no clear reason why. No, no clear reason. I had three spinal taps. Um, so the final air quote conclusion was that my uh, seizures were caused by a virus. Gotcha. So for those yes. of you who are listening, this is so crazy <laughs> that, and this is exactly why there's people like me and you out there advocating and talking about it because epilepsy and seizures are still so taboo and there's still so much work mm -hmm. to be done that she, Megan was in the hospital with medical professionals that still had no idea what was happening. So like hypothetically, if you were just diagnosed like, Hey, she's having seizures, then you would, put on a medicine, it would have been a few days instead of a month. Right, do you agree? I 100% agree. I mean, e so EEGs are the easiest thing. I mean, right. you can see the brain activity. And I had an EEG, you know, on my head for the entire time until they took me up, you know, to recovery. But, um, yeah. And even, so even after the EEG, they still said, they still wanted to keep you? Mm-hmm. Because they couldn't figure out why it started. Why it started. And they needed to figure out, they, I needed the di diagnosis. They wanted to diagnose me with what type of epilepsy. I was having seizures on both sides of the brain. So right. I was not a candidate for brain surgery. Um, but to me, even even then, I mean, I, and I might be in the minority, but even then, you were just diagnosed. Why rush to surgery so quickly? Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm. Oh, that was me. That 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 was my choice. Yeah. So okay. what I that was my choice. So the following year, I wanted to go to Johns Hopkins. Oh, so that was a, a year later. Okay, no, a year I was later. That they said brain surgery within that month. No, window. no, no. That was my okay. choice. <laughs> okay. So let's backtrack a little bit. So you were re, you were released after a year. I'm sorry, a month. Um, a month. And then, so did they give you medicine that you started taking? Yes. Or? Yes, they did. Okay. So, oh gosh, you're going to, I'm going to have to remember 10 years ago. Um, 
So, because I was on and off. So there, there, there's two medications that I have been on for 10 years. I, I do actually remember. This is crazy. Um, so, and it is um, Keppra, which is the, so the generic is Levetiracetam. And oh, really good. I still cannot pronounce it. <laughs> oh, you'd be amazed. You'd be amazed. I like something. <laughs> When you go to the doctors now or like the dentist and they like love it, love it, ter- just say Kepra. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and uh, Zonisamide, which is Zonagran. So those are the two that I've been on since 2009. Okay. Um, yes. And uh, I, I don't know if I was on any others when I left. But I had been on others like periodically and then taken off because they didn't work. Um, but we thought it was a fluke. Like we thought it was like this one time thing. Right. <sighs> right. So, I mean, I had a seizure in the airport as well. I remember that from our last conversation um, and just the whole debacle of it but for me it was a little bit different because I was pregnant at the time so I just basically got rushed through security my dad was with me so he was like oh this is pretty cool we got to go we got to go through security super fast and I had recovered by the time boarding so they let me you know get on the plane so my situation was a little bit different um but so okay so they put you on medicine and then were you so you said that you had multiple varieties of seizures so the first one was partial did you so when did you like were they mostly controlled with the medicine immediately so almost so i was at yep so i went uh back to um like my normal routine, just like, because we thought it was a fluke. And it was funny because, uh, my doctor, it was like, my doctor wanted to keep me like out of work for about like three more months. And you got to remember, like I was out of work for a month. I was out of work of, you know, like every, like all my routines and, um, the, the moment, like he wanted to, um, you know, have a follow-up in three more months. And that was perfectly fine with me. But having me out of work for three more months and all of that, I was like, no can do, sir. I'm like, I will go insane. I cannot do that. And so um, he cleared me uh, for for work, like we talked about it. And he cleared me for for fitness, which was my passion at the time. Um, I was playing several different sports. I was playing soccer and I was playing uh, volleyball. And so I had a soccer game on a Saturday and uh, my parents were, because I couldn't drive, uh, my parents were like alternating, like visiting uh, me for, um, it was either like a month or three months or so. Like my mom would stay and then my dad would stay just because it had just happened and you know, that was, it was just a still scary thing. Yeah, and, they were but I, Yeah, but, um, so, but, uh, one of my, uh, my I mean, um, I, I went to the soccer game, you know, with my, one of my teammates, you know, drove me, and, um, I had a grand mal seizure, like, smack dab right in midfield, and 
and uh, he called my dad and I was, um, I had just come out of like the disorientation phase and, you know, he made a joke because I had a 2004 Impala, <laughs> if you guys know what that car is, and, and he made a joke and was like, did you know your Impala could go around that corner that fast? Because that's how fast my father was driving and circling back. So we called my doctor and he had us back in. And at that point, we kind of knew that it was not a fluke. And that was right at the 90 day mark. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> and at that point, you were taking the cocktail of medicines too. So yep. then what was, what happened after that? So I was put on a variety of medications and like Vimpat was one of them. Vimpat did nothing for me. And I know Vimpat has like helps a lot of people. Um, the one that I truly, truly, truly remember, and I'm actually still on it now is clorazepate, which is transine. Um, I was given that in December of 2011, because that kept me seizure free for about two and a half years. And then I had about, this was kind of weird. Um, I had about, I, I had a breakthrough in like September, because I, I remember buying my, the car that I have now in November of 2012 and then driving it and then i had a breakthrough in september of 2013 just one and then i was seizure free again mm -hmm. um until until two until two years ago it, i i it was like seizure. I'm really, I'm like trying to do math right now. This yeah, it's late. Okay. And then, um, so after that, we thought, um, because uh, transient's a benzo, we thought like my body had just gotten, you know, immune to it. Right. Um, um, I, this was the longest um, that I was not seizure free for. It was over three years. Um, so, um, and then, um, so about two years ago in August was about, uh, was when I was put on, uh, Ficompa, which was brand, it's brand new here in the United States. It's been you, it's been you like FDA, well, it's FDA approved obviously now, but it's used over in Europe and first used in Japan. Um, there's no generic for it. Um, side effects are insane. The half-life is insane. It's like 175 hours to take it once a day. And again, going back to this story, um, like you start on like the smallest milligram and you go up. Um, my neurologist goes to me, um, are you having any side effects? Like kind of joking around. He's a very, he's a personal person and he knows that I have a sense of humor and, and talking <laughs> to, and talking to people, you know, like who that have a condition and that you're going in there nervous. Like you, I mean, it's good. It's a very good thing. And so he knows you're, you're having side effects. He knows that these drugs have side effects. And for some people, some of them don't, but this one, I guess, you know, all the tests that they did 
everyone had a side effect. So chances are you kind of do. So at like the small, like the two milligrams, he's like, are you having side effects? Like kind of funny. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, yeah. And I didn't like catch on to the joke at first, just because I knew I was going in there having to explain it to him. So this is, this is how I explain the side effect of this drug. And like my dad is in there and my husband was in there. And so my dad is just giving this stare down, just saying, don't do it. Don't do it don't do it. And I'm just like, you know, when you're really drunk and you turn your head and the rest of the room moves and then my doctor is staring at me. I'm like, it's like that. And guys, I do not, I don't drink. I haven't like ever since I was diagnosed, I don't drink anymore. So this is like a remembrance of my college days. <laughs> so I'd explain that to him. So he's like, He's like, yeah, I know. Just take it right before bed and you'll be happy. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's like <sighs> these drugs, I don't know. It's like you, it, it, most of I mean, it just, I mean, obviously, obviously the pills are there to help you with your brain, but most of the time the side effects really affect your brain function. So whether it's memory loss or you're feeling drunk or you get super tired really fast, um, I think one of the big jokes in the community is like, you know, we would never pass a sobriety test oh in my the gosh. field because even when I am sober, um, I can't walk in a straight line. There's no so, way. 100% agree. And it's yeah. so funny you just said that. I've been talking to my husband about it because he's in law enforcement and I'm like, what in the hell would I ever do? Like if I was pulled over and asked to walk in a straight line. Yeah. You just, like, like, you gotta just, just veto that. Give me the breathalyzer and know that I don't drink because, because yeah. even if you wanted to in the comp with the combination of the cocktail of medicine, Jaron, that's, it's just not worth it. And I do know that some people with epilepsy do drink and I do drink in moderation, but mm -hmm. for the most part, it's just not worth it or it's not worth it to get drunk. It's, you know, so for me, it's okay to have one every once in a while, but not mm -hmm. to like, you know, long gone are the days where I drink to get drunk. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. Okay, so fast forward a little bit. So you've now you've been diagnosed for ten years, right? Yes, it's been over ten years. So how is your? So during the time, I know that during the time of your initial diagnosis, you had a really hard time adjusting your life to it and just going through that process. So what what things have you done to like personal development wise and just mm -hmm. mindset wise, have you done to be okay? Cause I know that you're now a big advocate for the community. So yes, where, what steps have you done to just be okay with it and move forward and really impact the community? So, um, when I, when I was first diagnosed again, like I said, like I, we literally thought it was a fluke. And when I first realized that it wasn't, I was literally in a slump. Like I let myself just sit around and feel sorry for myself. And I did the whole, why me? Like, why me? Why did this right. happen to me? Did you and know? 
Did you know anybody else that has had seizures? No, no. So, um, so I, I was, I, I asked for help from my, for my doctor, um, the sort of thing like, you know, what should I do? Because I don't, I don't know what to do. You know, all of this is brand new to me. Um, I kind of like the whole, whole not driving was huge. Like it's, like I realized like how much we kind of really took for granted and um, it was extremely hard on my parents and my parents basically almost immediately treated me differently and that didn't make it any better for me at all. So I just, I like had to go out there and talk to others and just basically be around people, um, to make, to, to make sure like I can somehow function. And so what it really came down to was um, me realizing along with the help of others, um, was that you can still, and this goes, this doesn't necessarily go for people who have been diagnosed for, with epilepsy, but it can go for any chronic illness at any age, at any age, really, um, probably more later in life of what I'm about to say, but, um, you can still go out and do what you want to do. It may happen, you know, later because you're on a different path now. Um, like you're not on the same path as you were because obstacles got in the way. So now you're kind of just, just segued. You're still going to get there. You're going to get there because you want to get there. If you don't get there, it's because you don't want to get there. That's it. You're just on, you're just on a separate path. And that's the best way that I can put it. And so it, like fast forwarding, um, really up until now, um, like within like that, that year and the year before, uh, when I was diagnosed, I was, I was, you know, getting, um, my, uh, my certified personal trainer, uh, license. I was, I was actually doing a figure, uh, getting ready for a figure competition. Um, but, um, I, I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> However, um, guys, I am a group fitness instructor and I'm studying to get my CPT right now. Am I doing it later? Yeah, but I, I'm still doing it. There's, there's no, there, if, if you're going to stop, you know, anything, it's, it's because of you. So, and that's it. And so don't let that happen. Don't, don't let yourself sink into the funk. That's really it. Yeah. I mean, one of my girlfriends had always told me, and this is for anything, not just for, you know, our diagnosis or disability is, um, to it. You can embrace the suck. Just don't sit in it. Mm -hmm. Um, it's okay to feel shitty. Like, let's be serious. It sucks, but don't sit there. 
you know, stand back up and keep going. Um, there's a lot of people in the community. I mean, there's a lot of Facebook groups and a lot of different little communities that you can go through that is very, you can get sucked into that depressive state. Like the woe is me. Why is this happening to me? You know, I, there's a lot of people who, and I, and I'm not downplaying this at all, but there's a lot of people that say, you know, I can't get a job. I can't drive, you know, and like you, like you mentioned too, driving when that gets taken away from you. I mean, my license has been suspended from having seizures and you know, um, it, it does totally pivot your life plan. Uh, but like you said, it's not the end to it. So you have to really just shift your mindset and really do some inner work. And, and like you said, you can still do anything you want to do. It just might not look like what you initially thought, but isn't that the beauty of life? You know, I mean, yeah that's what I believe. I mean, I feel like our pain has turned into your purpose. So just take it and, and use it to move forward. So I do think that that, what you just said should be highlighted because a lot of people listening may have been newly diagnosed and just are so fearful of the future, but just know yes. that I mean, for me, I've had epilepsy my whole life. So mm -hmm. my story is different than someone who is diagnosed as an adult. So I was seizure free for 16 years. They thought I outgrew it. So my childhood was quote unquote normal. I, I got my license and I went to college and I didn't have a breakthrough seizure until I was, you know, almost graduated, but I still graduated and I, and I, you know, I moved forward. And so I, you know, I still got things done, but like you, like how you just mentioned too. And I just want to highlight that is that you still became a fitness instructor. You're still certified. And I don't know how many workouts now, it just seems <laughs> like you're always getting, you know, live certified through Beachbody. So it's, I mean, it's just great. You're still finding ways to do it. And that's the beauty of, of the world we live in now is even, you know, you can still do these things, um, which is amazing. So how has your life shifted as an adult? Cause I, I think, do you work from home as well? Most of the time? Not most of the time. No. But sometimes yep. you do. Okay. Uh, so how, I do. How, I don't even want to say sometimes. So, so, um, so day to day. So I have a, um, like a, at, I work a 980 schedule. So I'm an engineer. Um, I actually work for uh, NASA Johnson Space Center. So what a 980 schedule is, is um, at least nine hours a day. Um, and one day is eight hours and you get every other Friday off. And, um, so I'm, it's a good day if I work nine hours, <laughs> but, um, I'm a lab manager. Um, so I do simulation and modeling. So basically we do a lot of simulation and development for, uh, flight crew training, um, and like engineering development and all of that, all of that fun stuff there. So that is my day job. My part-time job is, um, I work uh, part-time at LA Fitness. I teach a 
Cycle and Aqua and at Infinite per per Infinite Pursuit, excuse me, I teach uh, Core to Force, which is a Beachbody Live format, uh, which is like MMA cardio. And then I sub at different other at different gyms for uh, P90X and Insanity. That's awesome. And Transform so I, Live too, yeah. I don't even think that I knew that you worked at different studios teaching. That's awesome. It, it just started at the beginning of the month. That's cool. That's great. So people can sign up for your classes. And then you also are virtual fitness coaching and I am. Yeah. Have your own little fitness like boutique through Zaya. So you sell online yep. clothes, which is awesome. So basically mm -hmm. nothing epilepsy has definitely not stopped you from doing what you love and they all kind yep. of mesh together really well. So mm -hmm your your brand is really on point with just fitness and what your passion is so that's great mm -hmm. um now as so you've been seizure free for how many years now i think you just over me. just over two i hit the two year mark in august is that completely or just grandma because some people don't count their partials so oh no, I, I have to, I count everything. Okay, so you've been yes. two year completely seizure free, no partials, no grandma seizures. So yes. that's awesome. So this, so I have, so there's a reason I count everything. So because I've had, this is crazy, because um, I've had seizures, and and this is, I go always go back to the first one within 90 days. So 90 days is three months. You can all correct my math, but I do believe it's three months. Um, and that's not just counting from the first time, but that was the, that first time on that soccer field. It, basically, that is the one that affected me the most, but that wasn't just the first time that I've had seizures. You know, like I was, I thought I was good, right? Because you're less likely to have a seizure, you know, if you don't seize, which is, which is funny. This is a different story. Most people think it's a different, if it, it's backwards. They think if you seize, you're less likely not to seize again. I always thought that was interesting, but not the point. Anyway, so, um, you know, throughout the 10 years I've seized, you know, after three months, like oh, always, it's like always on that 90th day. It's very interesting. Um, do you anyway, have any, do you have any triggers? Like, have you pinpointed no, anything? I don't, I don't have auras. I don't have any patterns. I saw an endocrinologist for a while. I don't have any patterns. Have you tried no. any alternate therapies besides your cocktail of medicines? No, but I want to. I, well, I shouldn't say that. I have tried keto and oh mm -hmm. my God, I've tried and tried and tried so like so hard and it like my, my body hates it. Like it just like, I'm, I just get so sick and I tried for a long time, like just, and I've been at, like, I was just like, work for me, please just yeah. work for me. And no, it wouldn't let me. Um, but for, but for 90 days, I will always talk to my neurologist because, uh, Texas in to like 2014 changed their driving law to, from six months to three. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. It's crazy. And I'm like, that's scary as hell. <laughs> so I'm like, so every time I'm on the road, I'm like, oh, crap. Because <laughs> I'm like, there could be a million of me's. <laughs> but yeah, it's crazy. That scares me. Yeah, Kentucky is 
so I live in Kentucky. Kentucky is three months as well. Is but it? When I lived, yeah, but when I lived in Virginia, it was six months. So at the time when my license was yanked, I was bitter and angry and, mm -hmm. you know, but I see the point, you know, cause I, you know, I, I see both sides of it. So, um, yeah, I mean, of course I would never get behind the wheel if I felt like I was absolutely on something, but I, I think it's just a sense of your freedom being yanked from you. That is mm -hmm. so hard to handle as an adult, like I'm a mom of three kids and, uh, you know, I, I, even though I work from the home, if, if I had a breakthrough seizure now with three kids, my life would be completely different. Mm -hmm. Um, cause yeah, like you said, it's something you take for granted, mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, I mean the three month rule is, whew. I mean, I'm blessed enough where my seizures, knock on wood, are so, I've been seizure free for five years, so my seizures are so, before this time, this timeline, the longest I had been was three years, mm -hmm. so, um, so the whole three month thing, I, for people who have multiple seizures, like, for me, that's never happened. Um, like I kind of joke sometimes that I feel like I'm a fraud because my seizures happen so far apart that I feel like maybe I don't really have it. But then my neurologist is like, oh, but you do. Yeah. <laughs> well, you do. So like the EEG shows that activity nonstop. Yeah. So it's, you know, they're, those EEGs don't lie. Um, but, you know, I think that one of the big things that I talk about when I do my seizure first aid trainings is that every single human has a seizure threshold and anybody could have a seizure like one in 10 people have at least one in their one. life yep. but you're not diagnosed with epilepsy unless you have more than one mm -hmm. which is still you know so that's could be so easy to have two um so yeah i just i really stress that it's more common than not and that people really need to talk about it um, like today, LJ, my oldest son was just saying like, oh yeah, I have, I have pens that have seizure first aid on them. Mm -hmm. And the one of them says never put anything in the person's mouth. Yeah. And LJ was like, oh, but aren't you supposed to put a spoon in their mouth? And I'm like, LJ. Oh, are they still teaching that? <laughs> I'm like, why would you say that? You no, like, no, of course not. First of all, your finger might get chopped on. And second, no, you can hurt the person. And he was like, well, I saw that on a TV show. I'm like, well, that's why I do, oh. I do because TV shows show bad first aid. Oh, it drives me nuts. Yeah. So one, I learned that in school. You I learned, I learned that in school. I, well, it, a spoon or a pen, like something round. I learned that in school. Or a wallet, I, I heard that. Yep. And then, and the media drives me nuts. Like my husband will, like, if, if I see it, like I have to walk away and he's yeah. just like, he's like, you want me to change the channel? I'm like, no, you know, the media just drives me nuts. Like, because they, I mean, I understand it. They have to do it for cinematic purposes. They right. have to make it look dramatic. But yeah, the, the first thing is beyond awful. 
Yeah. But yeah. I, I mean, I, I was treated badly. I, you know, this story, I, I told you this story. Yeah. Like, so I was, I don't know, I, I was treated badly. This was a terrible, terrible experience. And, um, from, from an EMT guy, it's awful. I was playing volleyball and, and I had, um, it was an actually an absence seizure where I actually walked. So absence seizures, you don't lose like, um, muscle control. So you don't fall down, but I was playing volleyball. So I walked off the court and I sat down and, um, but I then decided, but then I went into a partial complex. So I actually had two. Um, so, so my head started rolling and I started to turn, I guess, blue, I guess is what I was told. So, but, I, um, so he turned me on my back and started giving me CPR. And, um, no one told me and the next day my chest my my chest hurt and not only did my chest hurt it hurt in the wrong place of where you're supposed to get cpr <laughs> i'm sorry i can't and so um yeah so i had messaged one of the girls on my team and um she's like oh you got cpr um, and she wouldn't give me the name of the person. And I was like, um, okay, well, um, I, I didn't need it. I was breathing. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, it boils my blood because not only, I just, I, it just makes me so speechless because so like, again, everybody who's listening knows that I am a seizure first aid trainer regardless people everybody sh especially EMT should know that if you are breathing you do not need CPR period mm -hmm. and uh, there's just such a stigma about I'm just speechless there's just so, there's for as many and I will preach this probably until the end of time for as many Do people, it. like I just said, one in 10 per people will have a seizure in their lifetime. Mm -hmm. Your story is not uncommon. I I've talked yeah. to I, this, this podcast is still so fresh and new, but I've talked to a handful of people already that they've been mistreated whether it's they've like they thought that someone thought they were wasted or super drunk versus oh, having gosh. or someone you know like went and walked and sat in the middle of the road they were having a seizure and they someone thought they were drunk instead of having a seizure and then for you you had CPR when you were clearly breathing like this is why I, I do what I do is because this is ridiculous mm -hmm. So it's just, I mean, I'm glad, I'm thankful that you share that because it is, I mean, it, it, it's more common than you would think. But every time I hear that, you've told me this before, but still, it's like, it blows my mind that this kind of thing still happens. Um, so again, I know that you're an advocate for the community as well. Um, and 
yeah, I'm super grateful that you are seizure free now. And then I hope, you know, that that will never happen to you again. Um, now, I do want to ask a question that is kind of controversial. However, with it, with it being in the news lately, um, when you were diagnosed, were you made aware of SUDEP? Yes. Oh, yes, okay. I was 100%. Yes. So your neurologist told you that? Yes, okay. I, yes, I was. Mm -hmm. Did they tell yes. your partner? Um, so I wasn't with Jeremy when I was, uh, diagnosed, but they did tell my parents. Um, so I do want to make a disclaimer, um, uh, and the disclaimer has to do with the Houston Medical Center, just because it's on, on par with the, with the Mayo Clinic and Johns Hopkins. That is my disclaimer. Um, with that being said, um, I don't know, you know, take that for, with a grain of salt. Um, but yes, I was 100% made aware, made aware of SUDEP, um, as well as my parents and, um, you know, for my husband, you know, um, he has been so amazing because it, here's a story. So when we first met, I was about a year, um, and like, I, I had epilepsy for about like a year and three months and we first met and, um, you know, he had asked me out and I flat out was like, you don't want to go out with me. And he was like, what? I was like, no, really, you don't want to go out with me was like my answer. And he was like, yeah, I do. I was <laughs> like, can I have your number? Like we met through mutual friends and I said, no, you don't want to go out with me. And, um, yeah, I kept saying that and he was really persistent, like in a, in like a classy way. And I had said, I was like, no, I have epilepsy. It's like just like getting ready for, you know, the, the bolt off the take, like the, it, all of that. And he's like, okay, like, like the brush off the shoulder, like, I don't care. And so I was like, huh. okay. <laughs> I was like, that's not what I thought was going to happen. Yeah. So at, from that point on, he did like his own research and everything. So whenever like I like brought something up, he's like, oh yeah, I know about that. And then he'd finish my sentence and I would be like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, it was crazy. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, see. that's probably okay. just him, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. So my husband, um, his, his sister had seizures, diabetic seizures. So he has seen them and witnessed them. And then in his career, he's also seen them because he works in the fitness industry. And a, a lot of people have seizures in pools and working out and yeah. stuff. So he's, he's been around it a lot. So he definitely knows what, what to do. Um, but he also knows what other people perceive as seizures and what they tried to do. And Tom's like, Oh wait, no, 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 you're not supposed to do that. Let's, yeah. let's just time it. You know, there's also a big misconception of people that try to like restrain people who are having convulsive seizures. And that's, there's really like, and when I do, when I do trainings too, there's really not much you can do during the act except just like any first aid scenario, create a safe environment. And then once the seizure's done, after you're done timing it, then you can intervene and you can reassure them that they're okay and call 911 and all that kind of stuff. So when I, when I heard that Tom knew about it, 
even though I had been seizure free. And then my last seizure, he, I was by myself. So, um, so he, he's never witnessed me have one. Um, but if that ever happened in the future, that it, it makes me feel so much safer that he knows exactly what to do and have, and that he wouldn't be like, you know, he wouldn't run away. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, exactly. You know, forever now, but you know what I mean? But like, so of course people newly diagnosed are super nervous about telling their partner or sharing it with just anybody, but having that medical ID and, um, and then just fully disclosing like, Hey, this is, and if you can describe to them what happens, if you know, Sometimes you don't know, but if you have auras or if you, um, mm -hmm. like for me, I have like slamming headaches for like a whole week, like slamming migraines that just don't go away. Prior or after? Before, before. Before? Yeah. And then I get really like nauseous and sick and then, um, I get like that metal taste. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, I don't really know like what the timeline is, but I, cause I have the, I have nocturnal seizures, so it's, mm -hmm. I never really know when, but I, I know that I have that headache. And then the next day it's like, Oh, I feel like I've been hit by a truck mm -hmm. multiple times. Um, but the, this past one, I was pregnant and I didn't know, you know, I, I had to like kind of put the pieces together and I had to go through my phone to like, see if I had, text and like come to find out I had a full-blown conversation with one of my best friends and I had no memory of it so I called her and like I try to like reconnect the dots but um but you know because because I have a support system that knows it's been super helpful too I guess what you can say but so yeah I, I share all that to say like it's important to talk about it. It's important to do your research and to have that first aid. And I mean, so hopefully people can learn from bad experiences that like you've had too. Um, and so hopefully that stuff doesn't happen again. Right. Exactly. And I, I've always said that, um, you know, it's always unfortunate that it takes, you know, a, a bad experience to actually learn something, but it always seems to be the pattern. Right. But if it, if that's what it takes, you know, you might as well learn something than not learn anything at all. So, I right. mean. Yeah. So like, how do you think your life is like different now that now that you've had you've had epilepsy for 10 years. Um, of course you met Jeremy after the fact, but how do you, do you see, how do you see your life now that you, that so, you so I don't, I just see it as that I'm just com accomplishing my goals later in life because I'm accomplishing everything that I have set out to do. Um, but it has just happened later than I've wanted it to, but, um, I am still charging forward and, um, yeah, that's it. Would I'm you, not holding back. Yeah. Would you say that you, do you ever think about like the next seizure? Do you live in fear or do you, 
No. So I learned not to live in fear at all. Um, like after like that whole funk, um, after, um, I had that seizure in the middle of the soccer field, like just not to live in fear because all what fear does is just hold you down. Mm -hmm. And if you're just held down, you will never accomplish your goals. You won't accomplish, like you'll just, you, you, you're, you're just paralyzed you just sit there. You're yeah, exactly. That that's the best word than yeah. one that I was trying to come up with. But um <laughs> well, exa- yeah, exactly. What and do it, you I know that with your job you do a lot of personal development. So have there been I any do. is there a, a specific book that you can think of to share with the community if they're feel if they feel feel fearful? So there are two, um, and one you can't make fun of me for, because <laughs> it's, it's, it's by a certain person, and I know, I know you're going to make me, but I'm going to mention it last, and I know you're going to make fun of me for it anyway. So the first one is called A Tribe Called Bliss by Lori Harder. Okay. Um, it's fantastic. Um, it's basically about, you know, fine. It, it's, I mean, both these books are going to be about they're about the same thing, you know, find your tribe and go for it. Um, and it's, and it's, and it's your tribe of positive people. So all of this is basically about positivity in your life, like cutting out the negative and focusing on the positive. And the second one is, (laughs) you're going to laugh at me, is um, tea is, tea is for transformation by Sean T. It is fabulous. And, um, so I was, <laughs> this is, I have to tell you this first. So, um, I recommend I, the audiobook because, um, this is funny. I was going to go buy uh, one of his signed copies because I was going to be like, oh my God, I got a signed signed copy by Sean T. And then I, I like, you know, you can, uh, from Audible, you can like, you know, preview it. And it's him. Like he reads it. So it's like from his perspective. And I was like, oh, holy yeah. And like, so that got me like hooked in, but oh my gosh, you guys, every time I listen to it, I think I read it in like a day and a half. I didn't, I mean, it's audible, so I didn't really read it, but you understand what I'm saying, but in like a day and a half and his entire story was just, incredible. it was incredible. Have you, did you read it? No, I've listened to his story and I listened to his, I haven't listened to his podcast in a while, but I've used to listen the to the trust and believe podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, I love Shanti. Yes. I love him. I love his workouts. He always kicks my butt. He makes me cry every single workout. Like literally like I'm crying as I'm working out kick is he's kicking my butt. So no, yes, I, he's so yeah, the point like, yeah I have a big crush on that guy 100 <laughs> I right here 100 percent true yeah. it was like during Sean week I started like crying after like you're like you can't human. do that yeah. yes he is so the points in yeah. that book that he makes is um is as again find your circle of five five positive people yeah. and um 
and he named he named his circle and just like how he explained it it just made so much sense he was like your circle can be more than five it can be you know two people but have zero negativity because you don't need it there is no reason for any negativity in your life like why have it it was it's just it both of those are just fabulous right so you are who you surround yourself with exactly and they say you are the top who the top five people you talk to are Mm -hmm. so um and you know that looks different for everybody um Mm -hmm. and you and don't be afraid to outgrow people um and then also i just saw a really great quote today that says don't take back don't take back the people you've leveled up from Mm -hmm. don't go down a level you already leveled up so just leave them because you will grow you will learn from your experiences and from your quote-unquote diagnosis and from your journey um and then you know there's so many advocates out there that you can you could message megan you can message me you can message anybody else in the community and we we understand and we're here for you to talk to so you can find that five that will be positive that will get you out of that fear mindset but no like you said finding that tribe so some people call it tribe some people call it community some people call it family it's whatever you want to call it it's just it's just people that you can depend on when times get tough that will check you if you need to be checked and that know your why and know your goals that will get you to where you need to go so if it's with your job with it's with your personal life if what's with whatever um yeah no i i 100 agree and i do know that lori is speaking at an event that I want to go to next year. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, she's speaking at the one in 2019. 2019. I'm going to plug her. uh, She's she's speaking at Pace to be Brave, which is a women's conference in San Diego. And um, so I'm hoping she'll speak at the Pace to be Brave next year because I'm planning on going in 2020. So. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but her and her husband are mentors to another coach that I follow along. So like I've seen them, you know, on social media, I follow a bunch of business coaches too. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I've heard all of, I have, I know all about her, (laughs) Yeah. but yeah, no, that book's great. (laughs) Um, okay. So my last question is, and you've kind of already touched base on it, but I always end the podcast with this. Like, what is one piece of advice that you could give to someone, you know, newly diagnosed or who's really struggling with the diagnosis or that can't see, like, the future, let alone two steps ahead of them? What would you share with that person? Um, try again, try and find a support system. Again, your illness 100% does not define the person who you are. So if you are someone, um, newly diagnosed, remember who you were before you were diagnosed, because that is the person who you are. You are not that illness 
does not define you at all. That doesn't make you a new human being. So that doesn't make you, like you don't have to go and set new goals for yourself. You don't have to go and find a new job. Yes, some some things may be taken away from you. Um, some, some people may be um, looking at you differently, but just like Jamie said earlier, embrace the suck. And that's another uh, great book by Gary Vee. Um, so, uh, but in all serious, seriousness, um, don't let any, like that illness does not define you. You define who you are. So go out and go get what you want. Go ch charging down your path. And just always remember that whatever that path is, um, it may be on a different road. That's it. And you will always continue to learn. Oh, that's perfect. Well, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. And where mm -hmm. can people find you? I'll put this in the comments of the podcast too, but where can okay. everybody find you? So people, I'm everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, people can find me um, on Instagram. Um, I have a weird Instagram name. Um, it's live fearlessly underscore AKF. Um, if people are supernatural fans, you know what AKF is. Final season coming up. <laughs> um, on Facebook, you can find me at Live Fearlessly Fit. Okay, awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening, you guys. As always, I would love for you to write a review for me. Um, go ahead and screenshot this and share it to your social media and tag me. It's at 1in26podcast, and I will reshare it as well as give you guys a shout out. Again, thanks so much for your support, and stay tuned for next week in the 1in26podcast.